Hey there, this is AJ. I'm so glad you've joined us today on Faith for My Generation podcast. I want to remind you that our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word, and our mission is to create a resource of teachings that build strong faith in God. You know, that really is my prayer, that as you hear this message today, that the power of God's Word, anointed by the Holy Spirit, will stir up your most holy faith in Him so that you can be a light and a witness and a testimony of the living God in this earth. I pray that this message will richly bless you and increase you in spirit, soul, and in body. Now, let's get to the message. (laughs) All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Main text. We've been kicking it off from this starting point all the past five sessions, and we're going to do it again tonight. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Here we go. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit of joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The word of God, it is alive. The word of God is powerful. The word of God is active. The word of God is moving and working in the heart of the believer. Don't You can't get past that. In everything that we've talked the past five weeks that we talked about tonight, that we're going to talk about tonight, that what pastor has been talking the past several weeks on Sunday mornings, the authority and power of the word of God, you can't get past the fact that the Word of God within it, it contains the power of God. The Word of God contains the life of God. It is the means and the vehicle by which God in, fills you with His power, with His love, with His majesty, His joy, His peace. It is what the Holy Spirit leverages and moves upon. It's what we hear and receive to believe on Jesus Christ. The Word of God is alive and it's active. It's constantly doing something. We saw that when we talked about how the Word of God is like seed. It is like seed that goes out and it produces. It's like rain. It makes the ground bring forth. The Word of God, when it goes forward, it never returns without accomplishing what it was sent to do. Because within the Word of God, if you imagine like a capsule, Within that capsule is this energy and power. The Word of God is the vehicle of God's power. The way God moves is through His Word. It's amazing. Uh, Charles Finney, I've been reading a lot about Charles Finney. He was a mighty, mighty man of God. And he moved in what was in church history called the Second Great Awakening in the United States of America between the 1830s up to the 1860s. And in this day and age, again, horse-drawn carriages, trains, uh, steamboats, no cars, no planes. Uh, He was able to minister and preach the gospel. Uh Uh-oh, did I freeze up again? Am I frozen out there? Looks like I'm frozen over here. Uh Uh-oh. Bear with me here. I have no idea why this is blinking out. There I am. Charles Finney, in his day and age, when he was living, uh, though he did not have all the luxuries of travel, he didn't have the internet, he couldn't broadcast and get interrupted when the internet got got shoddy or when the camera froze up. He didn't have to deal with all that. But then again, he didn't have the reach either. Here I am, I'm talking to a couple dozen people in different homes, and then people watch the replay over time. He didn't have all that, but what he still had was the Word of God. And he made a point. He said, the word of God is no different than when a farmer goes out and tosses a seed out into tilled ground. He expects a harvest to come to pass. He said, the word of God, whenever we sow the word of God into our life, we should have the same expectation as a farmer does when he plants a field with good seed. Amen. Lars in the living room, let me know that'll preach. (laughs) That will preach. Because the Word of God, it is active and it has within it the power to change your life. 
the Word of God has within it to change your situation, to save a person's soul and set them on the path of heaven, to create miracle power in your life. You know, I think about with Lorna's testimony, the Word of God with encapsulated in it, we began to confess God's Word, pray God's Word, believe God's Word concerning children, that children were our inheritance. And we spoke that word. We agreed with that word. Every morning, every night, we prayed and we spoke the promises of God out loud to one another. We rehearsed those things until it built up faith in us. And, well, how do we know it works? We've got a 13-month-old sleeping away upstairs. I just fed her a bunch of spinach uh, dinosaurs. They're in the shapes of dinosaurs, but they have spinach and sweet potatoes in them, so they're good. They're, they taste pretty good. She, she really enjoyed them, got them all in her hair. So how do I know the Word of God works? I can see the evidence of it. Just like a seed brings forth a crop and produces fruit. Now, let's get into some new territory tonight. New territory tonight. Speaking of spinach and sweet potatoes, anyone like spinach out there? I, I love vegetables myself. I think at this point in my life, my favorite vegetable is Brussels sprouts. You got to cook them right. You steam them, get them real good and soft, then you toss them in a pan with hot oil, salt and pepper, paprika, onion powder. It's pretty good. I ate a whole plate of them the other day. Speaking of food, the Word of God, here it is, point 11, trait number 11. The Word of God is like food to nourish. The Word of God is like food to nourish your body. You can just put food in the comments if you want. Put in the comment section, food, or the Word of God is like food. That, that'll make more sense. When people are watching back, they don't just see a bunch of people screaming the word food. Like, man, these people are really hungry. <laughs> the Word of God is like food. The Word of God is like food. The Word of God is like food. I just dropped the last one there by, by accident. But the Word of God is like food. Let's look at 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. The Word of God is like food. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Hey, Miss Shirley. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The word of God is like food in that it nourishes your spirit, your soul, and your body. The Word of God is like food in the, in the same way that food has nutrients and nourishment and calories. It has what you need to have energy, to have strength, to fuel your body. The Word of God is the same thing in your life as, as bread and meat and vegetables and milk. In this sense, it's talking about the pure milk of the Word. You know, when you get saved, you need just like a baby, you need the Word of God like a baby needs milk. You know, I got to, I had the privilege of getting to visit with Kira Woody today and see her precious little daughter, Harmony. Oh, so beautiful and so precious. And there she was. She was uh, Miss Kathy. Grandma was feeding her. And wow, she was just taking in that milk as fast as she could. And they were making a point and letting me know that they, she just had a great appetite. That's what you want, right? You want a baby with a good appetite that's going to, Put on weight, all that baby fat. That's cute, right? Now, it's not cute when you're 31. You don't need any baby fat when you're 31. It's no longer cute. But when you're a baby, all those rolls and they're putting on the weight, well, that's a good thing. It shows that they're healthy because those little baby rolls over time, the body's going to use up all that stored up energy to make bones and marrow and joints and tendons and, and grow hair, and it's going to be a source of energy. The Word of God nourishes your spirit and your soul and even your body. I'm going to, I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But even your flesh, even your health, the Word of God touches you. 
strengthens you and nourishes you. And we can see here that we are to desire the Word of God like a baby desires milk. You know, when we got Naomi home those first few weeks, several months really, um, good four to six weeks for sure, she was waking up every three hours to eat, you know, through the night. And she was a good solid sleeper, but she still would wake up and you'd be hungry. And of course, I tried to give as much support to my wife as possible. And then one day she just finally told me, you know what, don't wake up with me anymore, AJ. I said, are you sure? I don't mind waking up and sitting with you. She said, yeah, but last night when you woke up and sat with me, you fell asleep on my shoulder and I'm holding the baby over here nursing Naomi and you're sleeping on the other side of me and I'd just rather you just lay down and go to sleep. <laughs> and so I took her up on it. <laughs> but Naomi, she would wake up every so many hours to get that milk, get that nutrition and that nourishment in her body so that she could grow, so that she could grow. You think about it. And we're talking about how the Word of God is like food. There are people who starve to death. The simple absence of food brings an end to their life. You, you can look in some underdeveloped countries and some places where people don't have as much resources. They have a lack of food. Maybe they have some, but not much. Or the food they have is not good quality. And the children are malnourished. Their growth is stunted. They don't grow to their full physical ability. Or their mind is not fully developed because they don't get the nutrients they're supposed to get. All connected to the food. The nourishment that they need to develop. How much more with our spirit? How much more with our soul? How much more with our relationships? How much more with our thought life? How much more with any area, our physical health, our financial house, you know, being a good worker, a good employee, a good business owner, how much more do we need the Word of God just as much as we need physical food? We need it even more. If the absence of natural food can cause many ailments up to death, the absence of the Word of God is even a even more grave thing to not have. It's, it's even, a, even a worse scenario to not have the Word of God because I won't grow in my spirit. And if I have an absence of the Word of God long enough, my spirit will be dead. My soul will die. My, my thought life will be unredeemed. It will be unrenewed. And I'll fall back into sin. I'll fall back into the things that I once was redeemed from with an absence of the Word of God because I have nothing to feed me and nourish me and fill me with. I won't have strength. Just like you don't have strength if you don't eat. I won't have strength if I'm not eating and consuming the Word of God. Wow. The Word of God's like food. Now we saw this first one. The Word of God's like milk for babes. Milk for babies. The Word of God is like food. And it's like milk for babies. Now I want you to see this. We have to grow up. Someone say, grow up. Type it out in the comment section. Grow up. It's alright. You can type it out and we'll all assume you're talking to me. That's fine. I'll take the heat. Grow up. Type it out in the comment section. Grow up. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1. I want you to see this. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Oh, there it went again. So, 1 Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I feed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now, you are not able to receive it. Even now you are not able, still not able. Paul, he's speaking to these Christians in the church of Corinth. In this, the city of Corinth, there's a church there. And they're powerful people in the Spirit. They, they have all these spiritual gifts moving and operating in their life and in the church. So much so that it's in excess. Hmm. So 
so much so that it's in excess. And Paul tells them, he's like, look, I, w- I would have rathered given you meat. Man, I don't know what, I don't, don't understand y'all. I'm so, so sorry. Um, I don't know if that will solve it is the problem. I don't know exactly why that's doing that. I got it set up as usual. Oh, well. Um, so Paul's talking to the church in Corinth, and he's saying, look, I would rather have given you meat than milk. I would rather have given you something of stronger information. You know, the Word of God is like food in the sense that it's like milk for our foundation, for our growth. The Word of God has basic, simple, foundational teachings, doctrines, as we would call them. It's basic teachings. It's simple teachings. But upon those foundational, simple doctrines, we're to lay on top of them more deep understanding and deeper revelation of the things of God. And it's just like a child that's growing up. You know, Naomi's in this point at this point. 13 months in, she's still drinking milk. Not as much, though. She, about three times a day she drinks milk. And she, but why is that? Because she has found the, the wonder of solid foods. And she eats all these different solid foods. And she, if she sees you in eating something, she wants it too. And she loves trying all these new foods. We ain't got a, no teeth have come through yet, but we're working on them. We can see them about to come through. And I have a feeling once she gets those teeth in, she's really going to go to town. But, you know, ice cream. Oh, she loved, we gave her just a bite of ice cream last night or before church. And I think she had a, a legitimate sugar rush because she was walking around, la, 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 going all after it. She was very excited about that kind of food. And the Word of God is like food in the same sense that there is greater degrees of it. There's greater degrees of it. Just like there's milk for babies, there's also meat for adults. There's solid foods, and then there's purees. Imagine if, if here I am, I'm 31, and I still had to puree all my food. If I couldn't, you know, sit down and cut up a steak and eat it. Oh, that would be terrible. I just always had to live on pureed foods. Blended up foods. No, Paul's saying this right here. I wanted you to have a stronger word. I wanted to give you something stronger, but I couldn't because you were still spiritually babes. You know, in the book of Hebrews, I want you to see this. The book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The first principles of the scriptures of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age or maturity. That is, their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. 6.1 Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Maturity, laying again the foundation, not laying again, excuse me, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works of faith toward God. You know, I believe Paul to be, it seems from all evidence that he's the writer of Hebrews as well, of course, as led by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul here is saying this, look, here you are at this point in time, you've spent a lot, you've had enough time in relationship with God and in the Word that you yourself could be a teacher. But you've been dull and lazy and not taken advantage of the Word of God to the point where now when I come to you, I still have to teach you and treat you like a child. Man, there's nothing worse than a Christian. Hold on now. There's nothing worse than a Christian that's been I've been living for the Lord for 90, you know, 27 years, 42 years, 57 years. I still ain't got, got a prayer answered. Well, maybe you've not taken advantage of the food that is set before you on the table of God. Maybe you've not sat down and built up your appetite and went from milk to solid food. Because if you have to keep going back to what Hebrews 6.1 calls elementary principles, foundational principles, you've yet to build up your appetite and build up your strength to solid food. 
you know, as a if you're a full grown adult, I'm I'm thinking about you know I'm right in the thick of it, Laura and I with with Naomi, but I'm thinking about the food that she was eating before solid foods. If I had to live, she we have these pouches. Have y'all seen these pouches? It's basically applesauce with different stuff mixed into it. Uh, Aldi has their own brand. A lot of different grocery stores have them, and they're colorful and they have you know different flavors. And I'm thinking if I had to live off of those, they're like 60 calories a pouch. Which for a baby, for you know a twenty-five pound baby, that's plenty in a setting, you know, as a snack or half a meal or something. But if I'm as an adult had to rely on those little pouches to get enough strength to go on and do what I needed to do, sixty calories a pouch, I would have to eat like ten to twelve pouches every meal. And I would be losing weight still. If I, I'd have to eat like 30 pouches a day. And I'd, that wouldn't, no. I, that would put me in an extremely caloric deficit. I would have to eat like 60 pouches a day just to maintain. Yeah, 60 times 60 is 2,400. I, or 30, that's 3,600. 60 times 40. I'd have to eat 40 pouches a day just to maintain where I'm at physically in my weight. Uh, that would be so... Uh, ridiculous. That would be so tedious. That would be so difficult. Bear with me here. At least you still got the audio. <laughs> it at least it can, at least it'll make for a good podcast. Frustrating. But if I had to rely on baby food to nourish and maintain myself as an adult, that would I, I would be anemic. I, I, I would I would be withering away. I wouldn't be able to be strong and growing. And that's what Paul's saying here. That's what Hebrews is saying here in chapter 5. You should have been down the road a little bit further than you are now. We have to take advantage. I, I, I mean that in the fullest sense. Take advantage of the Word of God. Take a hold of the Word of God. Fill yourself with it so that you'll grow strong. You know, I think about, for instance... I love watching boxing and, you know, mixed martial arts. Those guys, and Paul makes this point in 1 Corinthians 9, those guys, they eat on purpose. Everything they're eating has a reason. They're either doing it so they can get, so they can add lean muscle mass. Maybe they're cutting weight or maybe they're trying to recover. But they're intentionally picking out what they're eating so that it will benefit them. You know, you can take the Word of God and apply it to your situation just like an athlete will eat specific foods or eat a specific amount of food or restrict a certain amount of food to become a better athlete, to become stronger, to become lighter, to move in weight class, move up, move down. You can apply the Word of God just like an athlete uses nutrition and food to win. You can apply the Word of God to circumstances and situations in your life according to the promises that it shows that it, what kind of fruit it bears forth. You know, the Word of God we talked about is like a seed. We know what the seed will produce because of what the seed is. If I take an apple seed and plant it, I shouldn't be surprised that an apple tree grows up. If I take the healing promises of God and begin to speak them and believe them and receive them by faith, I shouldn't be surprised that I'm filled with health in my physical body and that I receive healing. Divine health, truly divine health, being strengthened by the power and spirit of God and having sickness and disease and illness leave me. I shouldn't be surprised when that happens because I've applied, I've nourished myself in that area. I've given myself the proper nourishment in that area of life that I need it. The Word of God's like food because the Word of God's like bread for the hungry. This is good. I, I want you to see this one. Matthew chapter 4, you know it. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he's being tempted by Satan and every attack that Satan issues to him three in a row, Jesus replies with the Word of God. And in fact, it's all from the book of Deuteronomy, the three different times that he applies the Word of God against the temptations of Satan. And in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus makes this point. He's, um, I'm in Mark 4. Matthew 4, I was wondering why I was reading about a guy sowing seed. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered, Jesus answered to Satan, 
it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It's not enough just to have natural bread. You must have the bread that comes from heaven. You must have bread that comes from heaven. And the reality is, you know, if you're saved and you believe on Jesus, you have received bread from heaven. You have received, just like in the Old Testament, they had manna that came from heaven and sustained them. Well, we have the bread of life that is coming to our life, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 8, 26. I have many things to say to you. Mm. John 8, not John 8. John 6, 26. John 6, 26. Most assuredly, Jesus said to him and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Don't labor for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set him, set his seal on him. Jesus is telling these crowd of people, look, I realize that you're not here for the miracle working power. It's because at that point when we had no food and I multiplied bread for 5,000 men and their families, you're coming back because you got full of natural bread. But here, don't expend your energy. Don't waste your life just seeking out natural bread. Don't strive for bread that molds and perishes and you'll eat it up and, and do away with it. No, strive and come and get bread that comes from heaven. Come and get... Come and get bread that endures unto everlasting life because Jesus makes this point in John 6 uh, John 6 verse 32 he said most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven and he goes on to say in verse 35 I am the bread of life who comes to me he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst you know, bread, the Word of God is food because it's like bread for the hungry. Matthew chapter 5, I believe it's verse 6 in the Beatitudes when Jesus is teaching, he says, those that, are, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. It's important to stay hungry for the Word of God. It's important to stay hungry for the Word of God. It's important to have an appetite for the things of God. Because just like you have an appetite, you know, you wake up in the morning and you and you get to go and you get waking, you know, you get woke up and you're getting everything ready and get showered, dressed, maybe go on a walk, do a workout or something, read your Bible, pray, and then that time comes, you think, mm, I'm getting hungry. You need to have a hunger for the things of God. Now, how do you develop a hunger for things of God? Just the exact same way you develop a hunger for natural food. How do you develop a hunger for natural food? By eating. When you eat, your body will develop, one, a taste for it, a desire for it, but your body will use it up, and you will expel energy, and you'll need it again. And the more you eat, the more, the the more your appetite grows. In fact, you can actually overeat to where your body elevates itself and what it desires, and you want more and more than what you really need to, just to maintain your physical health. Well, with the Word of God, we want to increase our appetite. Well, how do we increase our appetite? How do we hunger? How do we stay hungry for the things of God? We increase our appetite. We increase our consumption of the Word of God. The more of the Word of God we get in us, the more time we spend in study of the Word, the more time we meditate on the Word of God and, and speak it and believe it and pray it and act on it, we develop a greater and greater appetite for it. And the good news is the Word of God's like food because it's bread for the hungry. It's bread for those that are hungry. And if you stay hungry, He'll fill you up with this bread that isn't natural bread, but it's bread from heaven that produces everlasting life. I want you to see this. This is the last point on this one. But Psalms 19, don't labor for the food that perishes. That's exactly right, Al. That's exactly right. 
If you're going to labor, labor for something that's eternal. Psalms 19.10. Psalms 19.10. We looked at this, uh, maybe it was week three, when we said the Word of God is like gold because it purchases things for us. Uh, we read it, but I, we're going to read verse 10 again. Psalms 19.10. The law of the Lord is perfect, verse 7, but verse 10 says the law of the Lord is more to be desired than they are than gold than much fine gold and notice this the word of god is sweet also more than honey and the honeycomb the word of god is sweeter than honey and it's more desirable than honey in the comb the word of god is like food in the fact that word of the, the word of god's like dessert now i don't know about you but dessert that's my favorite part of the meal especially if it's chocolate. <laughs> I like all kinds of desserts. I've not really tasted many desserts that I don't like. I like pies and cakes. I don't want to get into it. I'll make myself hungry for it. But I like it all kinds of desserts. The Word of God's like dessert. I think, Word of God's like dessert? Well, think about it. The Word of God's like milk for children so it can make them strong and grow up. The Word of God's like meat for adults so it can keep them and sustain them. The Word of God's like bread for the hungry, but the Word of God is like dessert. It's sweet like honey because in it is life. In the Word of God is things that benefit us. You know, David said that in Psalms 103, forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget all the good things that the Lord has stored up in him and in his Word and made available to us by the power of the Spirit. The Word of God is like dessert in that it's sweet, it's good, it's desirable, it, it is tasty. You know, uh, we saw that uh, when it says that we, um, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter, or 1 Peter 2, that we have tasted, you have tasted the good things of God. You tasted the good things of God, not the sour things of God, not, not the tasteless things of God, not the undesirable things of God. No, you have tasted and seen, as the psalmist said, I've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. I've tasted and seen. I've desired of it, just like you desire that. That's, that's right, Miss Shirley, sweet to the soul. Just like you desire a bowl of ice cream or a chocolate chip cookie. Man, it's good to the soul. It's good to the spirit. It is desirable. It lifts up your spirit. You know, there's a story. There's a story in the Old Testament. King Saul, of course, he departed from the Lord and he's acting in sin and he's leading Israel into sin. And God has anointed David to take his place, but it's in that transition period. And Saul, he's dragging all his men out through the countryside looking for David. And they, Saul tells uh, all the men, no one is to eat any food. No one's to eat any food of any kind until, you know, we get over here and do this or that. Well, they all grow faint, and his son Jonathan, he didn't hear the order that they weren't supposed to eat any food. Well, here they are, they're walking through the forest. He sees a honeycomb, and he pulls it out, and he eats some of that honey because they ha haven't eaten all day. And then the people realize, Jonathan, you, you weren't supposed to eat any food. King Saul said, if any of us ate anything until he said we could, well, you were gonna, he was going to kill that man that ate anything. Well, Jonathan said, look, my father's made Israel sin because here we are. We're starving. And what ends up happening is they slaughter some animals and they disobey some dietary laws that God had given them. They eat animals with the blood in it. And Jonathan says, look, you made them sin because you drove them to a point of hunger that they did what was wrong. He said, but here when I eat this honey, can't you see? It says it brought life to me. The word of God is the same way in that sense. When you eat honey, it, think about it. That concentrated sugar that's in honey. <laughs> well, I said it just with Naomi the other day when we gave her that little bit of ice cream. She had a sugar high. She was bouncing there and laughing and she just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. That concentrated uh, dose of sugar that's in honey, once it hits that bloodstream, it woo, you go up. Your energy shoots up. The Word of God's like that except there's no crash. <laughs> there's no crash at the end of it. The Word of God's sweet like honey and that it energizes you. 
Man, it brightens up your spirit, makes you happy, fills you with joy. The Word of God's like food. All right, here we go. This is it. Last one. You've waited six weeks for this. Here it is. The 12th life-changing trait of God's Word is the Word of God. Now notice, the first 11, we said the Word of God is like or like a, like fire, like a hammer. This one's different. I want you to type this in the comments section. The Word of God is creative power. The Word of God is creative power. You could put the Word of God is creative power. The Word of God is power. There's creative power in the Word of God. You could phrase it however you wanted. But the Word of God is creative power. The Word of God is powerful. I want you to see this. This is this is where we end it. All those 11 other traits that we studied these past several weeks. And of course, if you're watching tonight and you didn't get to see the other ones, go to Gospel Tabernacle Church on YouTube, search it on Facebook. All the previous weeks are there. You can also go to Gospel Tabernacle Church wherever you get podcasts. It's going up there on podcasts as well. But this is all that teaching gets us to this place. The Word of God is creative power. The Word of God has a power in it to create, to make, uh, to produce, to transform. I want you to see this. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Romans 1, verse 16. Romans 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The word of God is creative power. The word of God is the creative power of God. The Word of God here we see there's a couple ways. You know, I talked about with the food how it was like milk, meat, bread, and honey. Well, the Word of God is creative power in that it has power to save. The Word of God has power to save. Notice this. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of this book. I'm not ashamed of the words that God breathed and spoke through holy men of old who were moved on by the Holy Ghost and wrote down His Word. I'm not ashamed of it because it has within it the power to save men and women. The Word of God has within it, the Word deposited the, the, inside the Word of God is the power of God to save people's souls to save people's spirits, to save people so that they will go from going to a hell that was never meant for them to a heaven that was made for them. The Word of God has within it the power to save people. When they believe on the Word of God, they receive salvation. When people hear the Word of God, when they hear the truth of God's Word, when they hear the gospel, when they hear that Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a life sinless, yet being made sin for the world, became a ransom, died on a cross, died the death of a criminal, filled the grave of the sinner, and he remained in the grave three days and three nights, then was risen from the grave, resurrected, leading captivity captive, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. When you believe that and confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, the power that is in the Word changes you and saves your soul. And many of you watching have had that happen. The power of God and His Word is powerful enough to save people. Let me tell you something. There is nothing else that will save men 
save women. There is nothing else that is in the earth that can save people. The Word of God is the only means to salvation. If you're watching this now, you're watching the replay, you're listening to it, and you've not made Jesus Lord of your life, you, you've not believed on Him as your Lord and Savior, you're not saved. But I'm here to tell you the very words that I'm speaking to you contain and carry the power of God to set your soul free from sin. It has the power to save you and make you a brand new creation so that the things you're ashamed of and guilty of, you're washed clean from them and they're taken away from you. Your sins will be removed from you as far as the east is from the west, never to meet again. And you will receive and you'll take on the righteousness of God which Jesus paid for you to have. See, the Word of God has the power to save. The Word of God has the power to set men free. I want you to see this. This is, this, this is shouting territory here. John chapter 8, verse 32. John 8, 32. Jesus says this. Let's look at verse 31, actually. John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, Do you believe? Well, then he's talking to you. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Notice that, verse 31. If you abide in my word, you're my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we could read it like this. Not changing anything, just rearranging the order. I'm going to read it like this. You are my disciples if you abide in my word. And if you abide in my word, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. If you're my disciples, you abide in my word. And if you abide in my word, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. When you get a hold of the word of God, you get a hold of truth. And the truth of God's word sets people free. It sets people free. Well, what does it set people free from? Verse 34 of the same chapter, Jesus answered said, answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. The truth of God's word is, gives you freedom and deliverance from the bondage and captivity of sin. The slavery of sin is broken. The hold of sin is broken from the soul and spirit and body and life of the believer when they receive Jesus. They're set free. They're made free people. You know, Jesus said that. Wherever my spirit is, there's freedom. There's liberty. 2 Corinthians 3 talks about that. There's liberty in Christ. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Jesus said it right there. Whomever I set free is free indeed. Sin doesn't have power over me. Sin doesn't have power over you if you believe in Jesus. The dominating power of God that has been released into your life by the word, received by faith, being moved and made active in your life by the Holy Spirit is more than enough to crush and sever the connection with sin. It's, that's basic Bible doctrine. When I get saved, I'm delivered from sin. I'm no longer a sinner because I've gotten a new nature. See, when I was dead in sin, I had a nature to sin. It's not a surprise that sinners sin. It's not a surprise that you turn on the TV and wicked people are doing wicked things. That's not a surprise because it's their nature. If someone is a liar, that means it's their nature to lie. They practice lying. But when you get saved, the Bible tells us that we're made a new creation. And in 2 Peter 1, it says that we receive the divine nature of God. We get a new nature. We're a new creature. We get a new life. And the nature that I get is a divine nature. Notice that. 2 Peter, I, I mentioned it, I paraphrased it, but let me read it. 
Second Peter 1, verse 3, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, the word, that through these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption or depravity that is in the world through lust. The word of God, the exceeding great and precious promises that God has given me, gives me the power, the word of God is creative power, it gives me the power to create a life free from sin. Does that mean you'll never sin again? You have the opportunity to sin, but it's not your nature. And you know this is true. Anyone that's saved knows this is true. Because when you sin, it don't feel right. When you sin, it just doesn't feel like it used to. It doesn't feel good. You were like, and, and in fact, in working up, temptation is sin in seed form. Work, that temptation comes and you kind of feel a little icky. But then you start to act on that temptation and you start to get anxious and you think, oh gosh, someone's going to find out that I, I'm lying and someone's going to find out I'm doing this thing I shouldn't be doing, saying what I shouldn't be saying, looking at what I shouldn't be looking, talking to someone I shouldn't be talking to. That seed form of sin, temptation, you're acting on it. You start. You already start to act weird. And then someone walks up, hey, how you doing? What do you mean? I, I'm doing fine. What do you mean asking me how I'm doing? Because it's against the nature that's inside you. It don't feel right. It's old man. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all has become new. You got a new nature. Because the power of God's word has the power to set you free. The power to set you free. This idea that I'm saved but I'm still going to live in sin is demonic. It's a doctrines, it's a doctrine of devils that has been released in the last days so that people will have this idea of religio religiosity. They think they will be the people that Jesus talks about. They will say, "Lord, what do you mean we can't come into heaven? Did we not do all these things in your name? Depart from me. I don't know you. The nature that's in you, I don't know you. Don't allow Satan's deception to creep into your heart." To make you think that you can live in sin and live for Jesus. You can't do it. You can't have two masters. You can only serve one. And when you serve Jesus, he sets you free from sin. Basic Bible doctrine. That's some of that milk. That's milk doctrine. But it's good and it's a foundation that you have to build on. Because the word of God sets you free to give you eternal life. I was I'm in 2 Peter. Look at look with me. 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1, 22. We saw this. Again, we've already touched this once. We've saw this once before that the word of God's like a seed. I want you to see it again because the word of God has power to has power to give you eternal life. The word of God has power to give you eternal life. And eternal life doesn't start when you die. I, maybe you don't know that, but think about it. Just just think through it. Eternal life doesn't stop, doesn't start when you die. A lot of people think when you talk an eternal life, that, that only has to do with heaven. But eternal life doesn't start when you die. What does the word eternal mean? Forever. When you receive Christ you receive salvation, and you have a saving knowledge unto eternal life. You have a saving knowledge that puts in you the life of God, the God kind of life, the zoe, the eternal, powerful, ever-present, fierce, strong life of God. In the moment you receive salvation, you have a life within you that cannot die. That's why when you physically die, for the Christian, when you physically die, you just transition from earth to heaven. The only thing that has died, that has died 
is your flesh. Your spirit and soul just go on to heaven. Now think about this. Eternal life takes place at the point of salvation. And that's why you go to heaven. Because the life that's in you is eternal. Even though the flesh body died, your spirit didn't. You just gave up the ghost and went from earth to heaven. In fact, until you're saved, you're dead spiritually. We are, the Bible tells us that we are dead in our trespasses. Ephesians 2 talks about that. We were dead in our trespasses. So if you're not saved, you're spiritually dead. Meaning that when if you die in your sins, you are already dead to begin with and you pass into death. Eternal death. Hell. But when you get saved, eternal life fills you. You get a new life. God's life fills you from the point of salvation and it is forever. And the word of God has the power to give you eternal life. 1 Peter 1 verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, obeying God's word will purify you. It will sanctify you. It will set you free and make you clean. Through the spirit and sincere love of brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Having been born again... Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The word of God has power to create eternal life in your heart. A life that abides forever because the seed is incorruptible. The word of God is an incorruptible seed, meaning that the word of God is an eternal seed. It is a seed that cannot die. It is a seed that does not perish. It doesn't die. It doesn't go away. It doesn't fade away. The word of God is here forever. Jesus said that. In the, uh, he said, "My heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will remain forever. The word of God is an inc incorruptible, in unperishing, everlasting, eternal seed. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 12, it says, every seed produces after its own kind. In other words, an apple seed produces an apple tree, which produces apples, and in the apples, there's more apple seeds. A watermelon seed produces watermelons, and in the watermelon, there's more watermelon seeds. In the word of God, it has eternal life, and it produces a fruit and a harvest of eternal life. It produces a harvest of righteousness. It produces life. It creates eternal life in the person that believes and has been born again. Amen. Amen. <laughs> That's powerful. That, that changes your perspective. That changes your thought process. That changes the way you talk. That changes the way you carry yourself. That changes the way you pray. That changes the way you, you live. When you love God and you're living for God, you realize, and you're doing it from a basis of, I'm connected to God. I'm connected to the source of life. There is no other life than that life that is found in God. And I'm connected to it. And it's in me. And it's like a river flowing through me. I have, I have the life of God in me. And as I receive this word, it is nourishing and maintaining that eternal life that's inside me. Amen. And the last thing, here we go. We've started. Closing number one. How many closings? Can I, can I go to all my fingers and toes? That would be 20 closings, wouldn't it? Here we go. Ending up right here. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Romans 10, verse 17. The word of God is creative power because the word of God will create in you faith. Faith to believe. Faith to receive the promises of God. Faith to believe His Word. Faith to believe in God. Faith to receive the miracle-working power of God. Faith to have the overflowing, baptizing power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Faith to have a strong marriage. Faith to have a strong body. Faith to have a sound mind. Faith to live in peace and joy. 
faith to have strong children that grow up in the admonition and fear of the Lord and live for God. <laughs> It'll be hard, but I can stick to 20 closings. You're right, Dad. I, I might can do it in 20. The Word of God has creative power that will create faith in you to receive everything God has in store for you, everything He's promised for you. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. This is where we end it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. It took us six weeks to get here. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God has creative power to strengthen, build, and multiply your faith. You know, the Bible talks about how God has given unto every man uh, the measure of faith. Everyone that's ever born, that has ever been born and is alive on the earth and will be born, they have within them the ability to hear and believe. Not just the word of God, it's within the spirit and soul of man. God, when God created Adam, within him is this ability to hear and believe. In fact, that's the first thing that we see that takes place in Genesis. Adam and Eve heard, well, the Bible says Adam and, that Eve heard the word of Satan and was deceived. She heard and believed the wrong thing, deception. First Timothy tells us that Adam, he wasn't deceived. But within man, you can see in that example, Eve heard and believed. It was the wrong thing. It was deception, but she heard and believed. All through the Bible, we can see that. All through humanity, we can see that. Think about, think about this. One of the ways that nations wage war is through information warfare. Propaganda. What is propaganda? What is information warfare? In these communist, socialist countries, in our country, people have nonsense on the news, social media, different things. What is propaganda? It is deception, deceiving information that they keep running over and over and over so that you'll hear it and hear it and hear it so that you will eventually believe it. And once you believe it, you'll act on it. It's the same way with marketing. You know, they say, what is it, seven times? It may be more now with people's attention spans grown shorter. Seven to nine times you have to hear something before you actually hear it. You have to see it before you actually see it. That's why you, it's, when you're watching TV, you feel like you see the same 10 commercials over and over and over again. You, you are seeing them over and over again so that you'll hear it and hear it and hear it to the point you'll believe it and then act on it, which in that case is go purchase something, go buy something, go subscribe to something. You know what? I, I have been thinking, I, I, I do need some new clothes. Do you really? Or is it because you've been getting 17 mail-outs for different clothing sales that have come in the mail over the past two weeks? Black Friday selling all our clothes. You know, I do need some clothes. Did you really? Or did you hear and see and hear to where it motivated and changed your thought process and now you're acting on information that has been put into your life? The Word of God, no different. Really, those things are imitating what the Word of God does. The Word of God received in our hearts will multiply our faith. It will strengthen our faith. It'll make us strong in God. And it will fill us with the power of God. You know what? I don't know if I brought up this lower third, but I can't, not, I can't resist. The Word of God, as you can see, it is power. It's power to create in your life. The Word of God will bring to pass the promises of God. We receive from God by faith. We receive from God by faith. And the Word of God produces faith in our hearts and our lives. That's how we receive salvation. We heard someone. In fact, that's what Romans 10 talks about. If you go to the previous verses above verse 17, you'll see no one can say no one can call on the name that saves unless they hear. No one can hear unless someone's sent. How beautiful are the feet of those who go and preach the gospel. You know what? As a child of God and as a believer, you have power 
in you to speak this word, Acts 1, you've been given power and authority. You've been given power to be a witness. And when you begin to sow the seed of the word of God to people, don't be surprised when you see people ask you how to be saved. Don't be surprised when you see people's lives change. Don't be surprised when you begin to sow the word of God into people's hearts that you see miraculous results because the word of God has creative power in it that will change your life. There we go. And that's it for tonight. Hey, I'm thankful that you joined with me tonight. I'm thankful that you stuck around for this long <laughs> with all the video going back and forth. Oh, well. Uh, it happens. Technology. Thankful for it. Sometimes I want to break it. But mostly thankful for it. <laughs> hey, if you're watching, a lot of a lot of the people I see that are watching, of course, you're, you got, hey, I closed in two. Todd's keeping account. You keeping account, Todd, on two? Hey, that's improvement. That's improvement. I know you won't believe this, but I spoke somewhere just recently, and I got up and gave three points in ten minutes and actually finished on time. You would be, you would be proud of me. It was a, it was a test, and I had to be very diligent to make sure I had a, I set a, a watch, my, uh, a stopwatch on my watch just to keep myself honest, but I did it. It was amazing. Now, you can't count this as another closing. This was just the ending statement. But if you're watching tonight and you're not a part of the Gospel Tabernacle Church family, uh, you're not already connected with us on YouTube or Facebook, please do that. You're watching on Facebook, like our Facebook page, Gospel Tabernacle Church here in Lawrence, South Carolina. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Hey, maybe you are part of the church family, Gospel Tabernacle Church family, but you've never subscribed to the YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe to it. Then you'll get notifications on Facebook and YouTube when you like and subscribe of future things that take place. Like every Wednesday, every Sunday, we're live streaming. This coming Sunday, this coming Sunday, which is the 21st, November 21st, I have the privilege to be preaching this coming Sunday, and I want you to come, be a part. I want you to be a part. Well, of course, we're in person. We're streaming online as well. Our good friend Al, who joins us from Pennsylvania, maybe you can, I'm sure you'll be watching Al. I normally see you on Sundays commenting along as well. But I'm preaching this Sunday, 10.30 a.m., Gospel Tabernacle Church. I want you to be there. It's going to be powerful. And, of course, subscribe to all these things so that once we get through Thanksgiving and Christmas, I've already got another study ready for us for our Thursday night online Bible study. So I'm excited about that. But if you don't subscribe, you may miss out on it. So I want you to be, I want you to stay in the loop. And of course, if you uh, if you enjoy, I have Toby. Are you trying to keep me honest over? I haven't closed yet. Uh oh, I'm closing. This is the closing. This is the closing. <laughs> if you prefer this in podcast form of course you can go to gospel tabernacle church wherever there's podcasts subscribe there and you can also subscribe subscribe to my personal podcast channel that you see here there'll be some more exclusive teaching here at faith for my generation wherever you wherever fine podcasts are released apple google stitcher all that so i'd love to have you subscribe over there as well all right hey let's pray before we leave tonight. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for these people that are watching, these friends, Lord, these brothers and sisters in Christ that are watching right now, Lord. I pray that you bless them, richly bless them with your mercy and your goodness. Strengthen us and quicken us by your Spirit. And may our hunger and our desire for your word ever grow, Lord. In this, my desire, Father, if anyone's watching, if you're watching right now, You've never made Jesus Lord of your life. I want you to know this. This is this simple. Jesus came to save the lost. He came to set men free from sin. He came to give you life. And if you believe that he's the risen son of God, confess with your mouth, believing in your heart that he is Lord, you'll be saved. If you do that, I want you to let me know. Because you've been saved from sin, you've been saved from hell, you've been put on the path of righteousness, and you're now my brother, you're now my sister, you're now in the family of God. 
and you're on your way to heaven and you're experiencing the best life you've ever had. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, won't you say amen. Hey, I want to say thank you for joining me on this episode of Faith for My Generation podcast channel. Please do us a favor. Leave a five-star review. It helps us get this message of the gospel and the word of God out in front of more people. It really does help. And until next time, remember, we are the faithful. God bless.